I'm Deidre. I'm Chelsea. And we're giving you a million murders. Hello. Hello. So, I do think it's interesting to hear ghost stories from people who have passed on. Yeah. Um, which we will have one of those today. Mm. Yes. So I'm doing the hauntings of Terry Polo and Joan Rivers today. Ooh. Yes. So. Um, Joan Rivers. Yes. Now these come from celebrity ghost stories, which I don't know if this is cheating in the podcast world or not, to be honest. I think that it was a show that some people watched, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. So I want to tell their stories. So it's not that I'm just like finding an easy way out. Like I type these up as I watch them. You know, that's a lot of work in itself, too. Yes, it takes a minute. So pause. Yeah, go back and putting it in my own words. So, you know, okay. so here we go. Okay, so first is Terry Polo, and she is an actress best known for playing Pam Falker in Meet the Parents and Meet the Falkers with Robert De Niro, Ben Stiller, and Blythe Danner, who is Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. Mm-hmm. So if y'all didn't know that, the mom in Meet the Parents is Gwyneth Paltrow's mother in real life. Um, but she's also known for playing police officer Steph Foster in Meet the Fosters. So she was in meet the so she was a Fokker and a Foster. And a Foster. <laughs> so I thought that was funny, but yes. So Terry talks about her mother and grandmother having some paranormal experiences in their lives. The ability had been passed down to the women in her family for generations. So like, it's kind of like a Stephanie situation from the listener stories. Like they kind of. They've all seen things, mm-hmm. and she doesn't really go into theirs, but her story starts when she was eight years old. Her parents and herself, they were going to uh, one of their parents' friends' birthday parties, and a lot of people were at the party, including her older brothers. Um, she remembers how loud it was at the party due to everyone being in a small room together, talking and laughing, mm-hmm. which I feel like... We can all relate to that. Yeah. Like just being in a loud room. That's my family. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. (laughs) We all have big mouths. This is one of those things. Uh, She said on one wall of the room was a doorway that led to some stairs. While everyone's having a great time, she said she could hear the steps creaking while no one else did. Hmm. Yeah. And she's wondering like why no one could hear what she was hearing. She's like, well, nobody's really paying attention to this. Uh, she could hear the steps of someone getting closer and closer. She was absolutely fixating on the way, like where the door is, waiting for someone to come in. Mm-hmm. Then a man appeared at the bottom of the stairs, opening the doors that led to the stairway. So, like, the way it was in the show, like, there's just a door that cuts off the living room from probably what would be, like, a foyer. Mm-hmm. And then stairs lead from the foyer upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um so the doors were closed and then they opened and you know this man shows up and people greeted him as he came down and terry was very taken aback and mesmerized and mesmerized by this person she wasn't frightened but very drawn and engrossed in his presence so she's just like 
totally fixated on her. Mm-hmm. You know, for no reason. She's just... And she's a kid. She's like eight. Yeah. It was like, you know. So she remembers him looking at her to try to include her. You know, like if you just see someone making eye contact yeah. with you and you're mm-hmm. like telling a story so you connect with them. <laughs> um, but she wouldn't move. She would just sit there. And he spent a good time you know, good deal of time talking to her one-on-one, but she doesn't remember playing or anything else that happened that night besides keeping an eye on him. Um, And Terry made it clear, you know, that it wasn't some sort of crush or anything. He was a great deal older than her. You know, he was like a grown man. Yeah. And it wasn't anything creepy. You know, she didn't have a crush. He wasn't acting weird. They were just, there just weren't words for why she was so drawn to him. So the night draws on, and everyone starts to leave, including Terry and her family. When she's in bed later that night, she looked over her shoulder, and standing there is the man from the party. Mm -mm. Okay. Now, didn't you say everybody greeted him? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, like, he opened the doors, and everybody's like, hey, you know. I don't know if this was, so it wasn't, I don't know if it was his... It wasn't his birthday. So everybody saw him, though, right? What just her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Everybody saw him there. He was at the party. Everybody greeted him, talked to him. Yeah. So, but here he is standing, standing. in her bedroom uh-huh. that same night. So Terry was looking at him and clearing her eyes to make sure he was there, and he was. They were just staring at each other. Nothing was said, and the next thing she knew... He just slowly fell face first, sideways across her feet onto the bed. Oh, my word. Yeah. She said she could feel him fall on the bed, and she started screaming because she could feel his weight, the impact, and the recoil. So, like, you know, you fall on a bed. Yeah. You kind of do that bounce. Like, Mm -hmm. she felt all of that. And she started screaming because she's just standing there. Or, well, she's laying there, and this guy's standing there, and then he just, and just falls on top of her but like across her feet not like yeah you know and so her mother heard her screaming and ran into her room but by the time she got there the man was gone and her mom said she just had a bad dream you know she tried to tell her you know she blinked her eyes and he was still there to convince her she's like no like i clear i rubbed my eyes i cleared my eyes i put windex in my eyes (laughs) like he was there i turned the wipers on everything yeah i turned my wipers on like okay he was there Uh, So she just put her back to bed and went to her room. The next morning, she wasn't sure why it happened, you know, this whole situation. But then they later found out he had died of cancer unexpectedly. Terry isn't sure who all knew about his diagnosis, but people were very surprised by his sudden passing. He was in his 40s. So, like, this was just a 40-year-old guy who died of cancer. Um And Terry can still see and feel what she experienced that night. His death happened so quickly after he appeared to her that she feels he wanted to show himself to someone who would remember him. So he was alive whenever they were at, he was at the party. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the party. And then he died that night and appeared in her room, but he was already dead. Yeah. Because I was thinking that... He was dead he the was whole the, time. He was dead the whole time, and everybody just seen him, and I was like, bruh, what is going on Like a multiple family? haunting, yes. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, he was alive that day, and then they found out later that he died. They don't say if it was the same night, but that would be... That would make sense, because... Yeah, because she seen him, and then he was gone. Yeah, unless... Which they did talk a little bit about astral projecting, so maybe... 
he was going to die soon, but that would be weird. Yeah, that is weird. So I think he died that night. We're just going to say he died that night because I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that that's what happened. So, um, but yeah, she felt like he wanted to show himself to someone who would remember him, that it was so impactful to the person he appeared to that in their life, they would recount the story. And that happened to her 32 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Which probably 42 years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, because this story aired in like 2009, I believe. So, you know, which 2009 wasn't 10 years ago. Mm-mm. So, you know, anyway. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but, you know, it's been over 40 years ago at this point. Now, Joan Rivers was a Tony, Grammy, and Emmy award-winning comedian and author. She had many talk shows in the 80s and was later known for being on Celebrity Apprentice and co-hosting Fashion Police on the E-Network. Which I'm going into all this because I feel like some of us know Joan Rivers, but Mm -hmm. some of us don't. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a little bit younger, you may not really know who she is. Um, So I'm just telling you a little bit about her. I feel like people know... They've either seen Meet the Parents or they know about Meet the Fosters or something. So she was also a philanthropist for many charities like the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Cystic Fibrosis? Yes. I put that, I saw that and I put that in there because I knew that that would, you know, mean something to you and to Jess. Um, So yeah, very much philanthropic for Mm -hmm. that foundation and guide dogs for suicide prevention. And she passed away on September 4th, 2014, due to complications from what was said to be a minor throat surgery. It don't seem like it's been that long ago. I know. So, crazy. But yeah, um, her doctors weren't paying attention to her deteriorating signs, and she was later put on life support and didn't wake up from her medically induced coma. Her daughter, Melissa, did fight in court for a malpractice suit, and mm-hmm. they settled out of court with the doctors taking full responsibility for her death. Yeah, I remember all that. Yeah. I mean, it was. I forgot that there was that whole situation yeah. behind it. But yeah. So, Joan was never a believer in the paranormal until she was. Back in the late 80s, she was having one of the hardest times she'd ever had in her life. She had been fired from her late-night talk show, which I didn't know she even had one, but, you know. I, say, I didn't either. It was in the 80s, so we, we oh. missed it. <laughs> By just a little bit. Um, we're her, still swimming. Yeah, we're still, yeah, <laughs> we're still hanging out. So, uh, her husband had completed suicide, and she had no money. Um, which I feel like is probably where the philanthropy comes from for the guide dogs, you know. Yeah. And all that. But, yes, so she has no money. She decided to leave L.A., and took all of her money she had left and decided to return to New York and buy an apartment. She's born and raised New Yorker. And a friend of hers told her about this big old white stone building that had a ballroom turned apartment on the top floor that no one wanted to buy. The ballroom was in total disrepair, but had been beautiful back in its glory days. She decided she'd buy it and have it fixed up. So Labor Day weekend, she decided she wanted to see the apartment again. She had her little Yorkie with her, but he absolutely wouldn't go into the apartment. He said, nah, I'm good. Mm -mm. He said, I'm not going in there. And we've talked about this. We Mm -hmm. know 
If the dogs won't go in. Or the kids. Yeah. Start acting weird. Yeah, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Don't do it. Yeah. She said even though it was New York in the summer, which is very hot. Yeah. Like hot summers. Um, all the concrete doesn't help. <laughs> it's just... It's just... All, everything's just getting hot. Mm-hmm. Probably fried egg out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's Labor Day weekend. It's like the end of summer still warm the apartment's freezing uh when she walked in further there were pornographic markings on the walls and it was very weird Hmm. yeah so people had like gotten up there at some point and graffitied it and stuff like that sometime i'm assuming between she but when she bought it she i think it was still kind of vacant so the dog is barking nonstop, and still standing at the door so she just decides to leave (laughs) because the dog's like let's go when she got on the elevator, she told the elevator man how cold it was and how her dog wouldn't go in. He told her, I guess Miss Spencer is back. She asked what he meant by that. Apparently, Miss Spencer was the niece of J.P. Morgan, hmm. the financier who started Chase Bank mm-hmm. and like tons of other stuff. Like he was like on the board for General Motors at one point. Mm-hmm. Like he was super rich started all kinds of stuff in america and you know now there's generational wealth because of it so this was his niece and originally the building was entirely hers like she owned the entire building Mm -hmm. which was a big thing back in the gilded age of new york you owned like a block of property or like a corner of a block and you'd have this huge building and it would be your whole house like yeah that was normal She lived there her whole life, and as she got older, she would keep moving upstairs in the building, and she'd rent out the lower floors until she ended up in the ballroom. And the Mm -hmm. ballroom and that top floor was her living quarters, Mm -hmm. and the rest was rented out. So the ballroom is where she died, which was about seven years before Joan bought the apartment. Ever since she died, uh, the doorman said, or the elevator man said that she comes back and does things to people in the apartment. Ratchet. Yeah. So, you know, she's not necessarily happy with what's going on. (laughs) Don't sound like it. Right. So, one neighbor had an antique chandelier. So, like, this floor was all hers. And now it has been sectioned off into different apartments Mm on the top floor. So, Mm -hmm. the ballroom is where... The ballroom. (laughs) So, the ballroom is what Joan has, but then, like, her neighbors also have an apartment that would have still obviously been... In the ballroom. Miss Spencer's property. It just wouldn't have been the ballroom. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so... One neighbor had an antique chandelier with little cherubs that held the lights on the chandelier, which I'm like, that's cute. Yeah, that is cute. Uh, but one night, she returned home with her husband, and all the cherubs' heads had been broken off the chandelier. Uh-uh. So there's just, like, head... Like, the little cherub heads on the floor. <clears throat> That's disrespectful. (laughs) The workers didn't want to stay late. Um, No matter how high you cranked the heat, the place would still be freezing cold, and her dog would never walk into the apartment on his own. She would have to carry him in. And once he was in, he'd run to the door and scratch to try to get out. Bless his heart. Yeah, he's trauma, okay? This dog is traumatized. Bless him. He's like, we're not supposed to be here. So at this point... She doesn't know what to do because she's a widow. She's poured all her money into this house or this apartment, this place, and she wants to feel safe in her home. So Joan calls 
NYU, like New York University, mm-hmm. it's parapsychology department, because they have a parapsychology department, hmm. which I think is very cool. Um, and she asked for help. The woman told her they didn't do that type of thing, and she begged her to send someone out. So the woman from NYU said that she shouldn't tell her, but there's a woman in New Orleans. New Orleans. Yes. Who is a voodoo priestess, and she may be able to help her. Joan calls this woman the same night. She was crying on the phone to this woman, and the priestess said she'd come up and try to help her. So fast forward to her and the priestess in the apartment. The priestess is doing a seance. Mm-hmm. Joan said it was something like out of a bad movie. She said there was chanting, cha- chanting, talking, and drumming. Then she said to her that Miss Spencer was very angry because she still feels as if she owns the building. Like, who are these people? What are they doing to my house? Mm-hmm. So she's not having it. Uh, apparently, during this seance, they put cornmeal all over the floors and kept doing the seance. And after about an hour... The priestess kind of snapped out of her seance and said it was over. The apartment warmed up immediately and her dog, which had been waiting out near the door, came back into the apartment for the first time in five months. Wow. Okay. Priestess came, did her thing. At this point, it's about 2.30 in the morning. And the priestess said they should go to the other apartments and see if they would like help as well. Mm -hmm. So... They start going door to door, and Joan would introduce herself and the priestess and asked if they would like help cleansing their apartments because she just did due to Miss Spencer causing her some issues. Not one person slammed the door in their face. Wow. Yeah, and I think this says something because this is New York City at 2.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, even though this is a very nice building, it's still New York. Yeah. Like, nobody's trying to, like, have somebody, have somebody in the... Yeah. In her house at like 2.30. Yeah. Like in general, people anywhere wouldn't yeah. want to do that. Mm-hmm. But this is like a big city where like you don't trust anybody. Yeah. Okay. Everyone had a story about Miss Spencer. One lady had seen a couple coming down the staircase in full evening attire heading out for the night. She spoke to them as she was heading out of the building. When she asked the doorman who the couple were who were heading out for the night, he asked who she was talking I about. Knew it. Knew it. Knew it. Yep. Okay. Another woman was looking at Joan's apartment before she moved in and was thinking of buying it. When she walked in, she said there were couples dancing in evening clothes. Hmm. So she thought someone had rented it out for the day. She goes to tell the realtor that there are people in there dancing. And when they walked back into the room, no one was there. Nobody. Yeah. So not only is it, it's not just Miss Spencer. Like there have been other ghosts seen up there as well. Yeah. But Joan has only seen Miss Spencer. But people have been seeing couples coming down the stairs. They see d- couples dancing in the ballroom. So, you know, it's, it's haunted. Haunted. It's haunted. So she's heard the stories, but now everything's good to go at her apartment. So she's finally moved in, and things start acting up again. The dog was unhappy, the apartment was cold, and she could never get any of her electrical things to work correctly. One day, Joan finally cried out and said, Miss Spencer, I'm a widow. All my money is tied into this place. You cannot do this to me. Like, you must leave me in peace. Mm-hmm. She's like, I can't. Yeah. I can't do anything else. Like, my husband's gone. I have no money except, you know, like, it's all here. Like, I've got to be here. You've yeah. got to let me be. So one night, 
She was down in the basement with a handyman, and she came across a portrait of a lady shoved behind drywall and broken bricks, Mm -hmm. and she knew the minute she pulled it out that it was Miss Spencer. She talks about how grand she looks in the portrait, um, and the old night doorman said, oh, that's Miss Spencer. So he confirmed it, Mm -hmm. um, and Joan took the portrait, cleaned it up, and put it in the lobby of the building. Hmm. A few days later, she gets a call from the priestess who we finally find out is named Sally. Mm. Like the whole time she just... The priestess. Yeah. And then she was like, Sally. And I'm like, oh, cool. Sally is her name. So Sally said that she was visited by Miss Spencer and she told her she's very pleased that Joan put her back into her home and that she's very happy with what Joan's done to the ballroom. Miss Spencer also loved that Joan kept fresh flowers in the ballroom as well and asked that she continue to keep them in the ballroom. Hmm. So she's like, I'm living for it. Yeah. Go ahead and keep that up. And I'd be like, bet. Because <laughs> I'm not trying to have you out and about. She said it had been 18 years, and this story was in 2009. So at this point, you know, it's been almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mrs. Spencer was still getting her flowers in the ballroom. And she came to visit Joan just about every night. She said it would usually happen around 3 or 4 in the morning, and the dogs would wake her up, and she would see her come into her room. She would just say hello. You know, Joan would just Mm -hmm. say hello. And she would walk out of the room. Mrs. Spencer would just walk out of the room. Joan said it it felt more than friendly. It felt protective, and it was comforting. And she said that they were friends, and she knew that she was there, and that she was there to help her. And she actually teared up talking about her. Hmm. So it was kind of sweet, because, you know... Well, she can have it, (laughs) because I couldn't. Yeah. I'd be scared. I can't say that I would just be totally chill with a ghost just milling about. But it was like once... It seemed like once Mrs. Spencer understood, like, hey, look, I'm not here to... You know, like, Joan wasn't there to just make everything terrible. Yeah. You know, like, and then she kind of put her where she needed to be. Yeah. In the building, where people saw her and knew this was her place. Um, then, you know, she was just kind of there to protect her and was just, like, hanging out every once in a while. Mm. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and Joan mentioned that her whole life turned around in that apartment in a good way. The place had given her a real home and a sense of belonging. She thought what she did for her was restore Mrs. Spencer's home. So, you know, she got sense of belong sense of belonging, Bologna. <laughs> a sense of belonging, you know, in a real home. Mm-hmm. And then in return, she had restored Mrs. Spencer's home to her standards. <laughs> and so she ended the story saying, it's nice knowing that I have Miss Spencer to say good evening to every night. Hmm. And I just thought, you know... I wonder if Joan's up there with Mrs. Spencer now. Yeah, hanging out. Yeah, just hanging out. Or through the back of the ballroom. Yeah. Together. Yeah, like, are they, you know, which, I mean, hopefully. And then, you know, with all that, you got to decide, do you think people who haunt places' souls aren't at peace? Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. And I don't know. I mean, I think. I think you could maybe still visit places. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, it's interesting when people who have passed on have ghost stories. Yeah. So every night, you know, I'm wondering up until she died, did she still see Miss Spencer? Yeah. And she 
probably did from what it sounds like. Hmm. So those are my two ghost stories from Terry Polo and the late Joan Rivers. I like them. Thank you. I mean, I can't take much credit because it's their stories, (laughs) but I love... The celebrity ghost stories are just, they hit different for yeah. me. And I thought I was really going to get on a kick of them. And then I didn't do, I did one. <laughs> you and did never, one. Yeah, well, I guess two. Because I did Loretta and then oh, I yeah, did Loretta. the what Extreme Makeover oh, Haunted yeah, yeah. Edition. I was like, yeah, which one was that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is it. I hope you all enjoyed them. Yes. Yes. So, if you have questions, questions, comments concerns if you have a story that you would like us to tell whether it's true crime creepy paranormal whatever if you have a story to tell email them to us at a million murders at gmail.com yes and you can also visit our instagram where we post the episodes that we do uh some of them have pictures of you know the people that's involved in the stories that we do and you can also go to our facebook page slash 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 group and interact there if you don't have email or you know whatever and if it's just easier for you you can you know tell us some stuff or just interact with other other members yes 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 well thank you all for tuning in and we hope you come back for A million more.